Hello boys and girls and everything in between. It is episode 13 of A Need to Read. The day of recording this is the 6th of June, uh, which of course in England is D-Day. The Normandy landings in 76 years ago, 1944. Sorry about that, I just missed the um, the year, slipped my mind. 1944, hell of a year for the world. We're free to do what we like and do as we please because of those that laid down, laid down their lives on those beaches. So I for one just want to say that I'm eternally grateful for all of those people that fought in the war and current serving military personnel. So that's my thank you to you. I didn't want to miss that out. Of course, this week, um, as you can tell by the date, if we go back seven days, 30th of May, 31st of May, the world is doing its thing. It seems everyone's coming together to fight institutionalised racism, which is fantastic. This Black Lives Matter movement and all of the protests, albeit there are some areas of this which are... People are crossing the line in sort of what's acceptable, but the lines of what's acceptable are crossed every single day when people make a judgment against someone based on the pigment of their skin or where they've grown up or whether they're a man or a woman. So I want to say to everyone that's posting on social media, they're donating, they're going to the protests. I want to say keep fighting the good fight. You're doing the Lord's work. We, we can change the world. It may take a while. I think being a realist, like it's going to be a while until we live in a world where there isn't issues like this but of course this movement is the largest civil rights movement um, ever or social justice movement that the world has ever seen all 50 states in America countless other countries you've got the UK, you've got Australia New Zealand, Canada there's lots and lots of countries where this is going on and rightly so everyone's pulling together and that sense of solidarity is fantastic and we love to see it Unfortunate events actually led up to this, but those unfortunate events happen every single day and it's not acceptable and that's why it's so lovely to see everyone sort of pulling together. So that's my two pence um, on that for you. It's not something I was willing to ignore. Now, I'll be getting on with the podcast this week. I've been reading Ross Edgley's Art of Resilience. What brilliant book um, this was. Ross Edgley... He's an English bloke. He swam around Great Britain. Now, I just want to throw some statistics at you. There was 157 days at sea, 1,791 miles, no sick days, 2.3 million strokes, 649 bananas eaten, a million calories consumed, 100 jellyfish stings, two minka whales, one basking shark, over 1,000 seals, five rolls of gaffer tape or duct tape to fix his broken skin three kilograms of vaseline for chafing which is probably the same amount as some of you have used um throughout sort of lockdown and quarantine but for something else and some of the worst conditions that you face were 105 mile per hour winds um in storm alley so shout out to man like storm alley in september 2018 for making the story even more impressive so I'd heard about Ross Edgley maybe about six months ago. I think I was listening to his Joe Rogan episode, which is a really, really good episode. Um, 
once you finish listening to my podcast, you're looking for a second one, go and listen to the uh, Ross Edgley episode with Joe Rogan. It's brilliant. He was planning to do the world's longest current neutral swim in Bermuda. He was told by one of the Marines that he was training with that that sounded a little bit shit, which, I mean, the world's longest anything doesn't really sound that shit, but current neutral swim in Bermuda sounds pretty pleasant. He then decided he was going to swim around Great Britain. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty sure humans aren't meant to swim for that long. Like, we don't have gills. Evolution hasn't been kind to us in that way, but uh, it's been kind in others, so we're land-dwelling mammals. This bloke went and swam almost 1,800 miles in 157 days. Pretty aquatic of him, uh, if I'm being completely honest. I'm just impressed that anyone can stay in the water for that long. Since starting to read this book, I've ordered a wetsuit, I've got some goggles, and I've got a swimming cap, and I've been in the sea. And I'm, I'm now a sea swimmer. I'm identifying as a sea swimmer, so that's me now. It's really, really, really difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. I did 800 metres which um, I think you can kind of work out. That's not a scratch on what he did. Um, but it was really, really tough. So I respect what he did even more now that I realise how difficult it is. And I was on pretty much the calmest calmest sea that I'd ever seen, really. It was flat as a pancake out there. Now, the book itself, um, of course, goes through the journey um, that he went through from day one all the way through to day 157 when he finished the swim he started and ended the swim in margate that's the i don't want to ruin the story for you actually what i realized i'm just kind of telling you the story here what i want to do is talk about the book of course because that's that's what i do that's that's what i'm here to go through for you guys so he loves the military that's one thing that's very very clear sort of throughout the book and i have great respect for people in the military um i'd said in the first episode um that when I was 18, I spent about 18 months attempting to become a Royal Marines commando, got to week 24 training, and after about seven, eight injuries, my body just couldn't hack it. I spent about seven months in rehab, multiple injuries, and that was me out. So a lot of the stuff that he talks about in terms of the, the military mindset, the Royal Marines sort of commando spirit, I understand that because I've seen it firsthand. I spent 18 months of my life there. I never passed out, but I mean, 18 months of your life is enough to experience something. Now, one of the main things that he talks about is cheerfulness in the face of adversity, which is a really important thing because, of course, adversity is something you're definitely going to face when you're swimming six hours on, six hours off for 157 days. You've got to be able to smile through the pain and you've got to be able to make light of situations that otherwise would be pretty upsetting or stressful it reminded me of a story so when when i was in the marines when we were training i did a you do survival training it's at like week 10 so you're like at the end of your exercise they chuck you in a wood for a few days and you're asked to pretty much build a den it's pretty fun really um but one stupid fucker let his fire get too big so in the middle of the night we were all woken up and we were asked to get our helmets on and we all had to run down to the stream and we were crawling through this stream, free-flowing water in the middle of like February in Dartmoor. It was absolutely freezing and the corporals and the training team started throwing root vegetables at us. Root veg like Swede, I'm pretty sure, or uh, parsnips and potatoes and they were throwing these at us as we were crawling through this stream. Which, I mean, like, that's enough to upset anyone. I personally hate being cold. I used to cry all the time when I got cold when I was a kid. Um, 
But it's in that those kind of moments that the military teaches you to smile through the shit and the cheerfulness in the face of adversity. Because I remember all me and my section were all sort of like smiling internally at this because it's the only way that you can get through it. And I think that's probably one of the main lessons um, that comes from this book, The Art of Resilience, is that you have to smile through the shit and you, ha- you can smile through the pain and you then perform better. There's actually studies, uh, Ross goes into a lot of scientific studies um, in this book and there's studies about those who approach things with a positive mindset or a smile on their face are able to bear more pain and push further in endurance races which is really interesting now back in terms of what he talks about in the book he's come up with this kind of stoic sports science now stoicism as you've probably sort of got to grips with it's like my favorite kind of philosophy i'm I'm yet to look through too many others but at the moment that's the one i i can identify with the most so he talks about mental and physical fortitude being the most important things there and there's not necessarily a link between the two at the moment hence why he wanted to come up with stoic sports science but he says the important thing with stoicism which i believe to be true is don't read it live it now that's really really hard to do to be a stoic person is really really difficult um and there's something about trying to be stoic which is quite paradoxical because sometimes you just don't try and you just let things be um but you'll have to read the book of course to get a full explanation of it because obviously i'm just a dummy that's just read it and i'm spitting it out in front of you without really any notes um or the book in front of me to go through that so there's lots of different stages uh to the swim of course i mean 157 days at sea swimming all the way around great britain there's going to be a few different stories that come up there I'm not going to go through many of them. I'm going to go through two, so I don't ruin it for you. One stage of the swim is the Bristol Channel. The Bristol Channel is over 30 miles wide, and it's pretty treacherous seas. It took in over 30 hours without sleep, non-stop swimming, to get through this. Now, it's not the only time that you went over 24 hours without sleep to swim, um, which I think is so impressive because I don't even think I'd be able to walk for 24 hours um, without sleep. So he's done a pretty good job there. I'm sure the water keeps you awake, but um, yeah, it's pretty impressive to be able to keep swimming for all of that time and just sort of eating on the go, drinking on the go. It's absolute madness. And it's probably not even the story that will blow your mind the most within this book. Um, it's really sort of inspiring. As he was swimming through this, he was accompanied by someone it wasn't his support boat it wasn't any friends or families joining him for the swim it was a minka whale about 5,000 kilograms worth of mammal mammal i was going to say fish then but we all know this whales are mammals it accompanied him for about three quarters of the way and he said it felt like it was kind of looking after him and he'd since spoken to sort of marine biologists who have said that they are quite maternal and maybe this whale felt like she had some sort of duty to Ross to protect him during this swim and it was one of those beautiful stories where nature sort of provides a guide to humans which I thought was pretty profound 
I'd love to swim alongside a whale. Granted, I'd probably shit myself because I'm terrified of stuff in the sea. Even little fish I don't like. I remember when I was in Ibiza last year, I was in the sea and there were these tiny little fish. They kept nipping at my feet. Honestly, didn't want to go in the sea again. Um, but that's why it's good to keep going in the sea and train yourself not to be scared. Um, because obviously, if it's small enough to nip at your feet, then it's probably not going to kill you. Um, but I don't think like that at the time. It's very easy for me to look back and say that. But at the time, I was absolutely shit myself. But that is what we call digressing. So all that time without sleep, managed to make it across um, the channel. And then he was up the west coast of England in between um, around Wales and then in between Ireland and England, which was pretty mad. There was a pod of killer whales that had been seen. Now, not many people know this, but killer whales have actually never killed anyone in the wild. So there's not too much to worry about there, but they eat seals. Now, he'd put on a bit of weight, he was wearing a wetsuit, and in his words, not mine, he looked like a bit of a seal, a chubby seal. He was 100 kilos, thick little popper, swimming along. If I was a killer whale, I'd probably think that looks like a snack, because he definitely looked like a bit of a seal. He had a beard covering his face, had his swimming cap on, and at times he was moving pretty quickly like a um, seal. I think he swam at 16 miles per hour at one point. That's rapid. If you've ever ran at 16 miles per hour and then got in this pool, you know how hard it is to swim that fast. Most people kind of swim at like two miles per hour, and that's not even really that sustainable. I think I've I've done, I've swam a mile about two years ago in a swimming pool, which granted I was allowed to sort of kick off the walls in there, and that took me around 37 minutes. So. 60 miles per hour, obviously it's not sustainable, but that's pretty rapid uh, for a swim, considering he's not a professional swimmer and he's five foot eight and his body's just not made um, for swimming. And he was told that by a bunch of sports scientists before he actually started his swim. So he was kind of doomed from the start. And that's where the art of resilience has come in because he was never meant to be able to finish this. And with pure determination, grit and mental and physical fortitude, and a stoic mindset, he was able to get through this swim from start to finish without ever stepping foot on land. There's a lot of other sort of stories in the book that are quite entertaining as well. He sort of does flashbacks um, into bits that led up to him sort of getting on, deciding that he was going to do the swim. One of the stories I found really interesting was when he was in Brazil, um, there's a psychedelic substance called ayahuasca and it's meant to give you some sort of profound trip that helps a lot of people find meaning when he first took a sip of this when he was with a tribe in brazil his whole body started shaking he pooed himself he was sick nothing was going right and all these tribesmen were sort of laughing at him because they knew what to accept and they'd just done they'd done this a few times they then offered him a second um, dosing of this ayahuasca and of course he did what any Englishman abroad would have done he politely accepted it we haven't got the bollocks in England to say no to people when they offer us something when we're abroad unfortunately um, that's why we probably all get conned so easily when he was going through this he was having a bit of a strange trip and his friend um, that he was with or his travelling partner was getting body paint by the chief and obviously he was tripping balls on this ayahuasca so he drew a cock on the back of his friend and it sort of lightened the situation for him 
and his friends, so they felt less scared and less more more at ease than they would if he hadn't done it. And he says, yeah, it's immature, but do you know what? It's funny. And that he related to smiling when you're sore. If you imagine all swimming around that way, having a wetsuit on, you're going to experience times when you just want to give up, when your body's breaking. And you've just got to be able to play those kind of games. Draw a metaphorical cock on the floor of the sea. Or make a light joke it comes back to the cheerfulness in the face of adversity which is actually quite not overpowering in the book but it's mentioned a lot and i think it, it should be because that's quite a nice mantra to live by um but i just found it quite funny that he was tripping balls and drew a cock on his friend and i think it's nice to see um people of such sort of athletic stature are able to have fun and do stuff like that as well um albeit not condoning it um, I've got my opinions on that. You might have yours. I don't think um, I'm not going to judge you if you don't like it or you do like it. Um, I've never done it. Never been to Brazil, but never know. One day, um, it didn't actually sound that good where he went. If I'm being honest, they made him climb a tree covered in like ants, and they bit the shit out of him, which was not so great. His swim finished in Margate, which is of course where it started. Now. Obviously, I'm not here to tell you the story of this. I'm just here to sort of review the book. It is so well written. Like, I was so behind him. I know he finished the swim. And when I was reading it, I was like, oh, yeah, come on, Ross, come on. You can do it. I may be seen to live up his arse a little bit nowadays because all I do is talk about Ross Edgley to everyone that I see. But the nice thing is I've got this podcast so I can talk to you about this for 20 minutes and chuck this out there. And then I don't really have to shove it in everyone's faces um, when I see them and we can have nice conversations about things that other people care about, not just about what I care about. Um, but yeah, I think the book's really well written. Uh, we're getting on to that bit now. We're 18 minutes in and I've just said that it's well written. Whoa. It's well written. He's funny. He He's just a real person. I think that's the nice thing about this is that he's a real person. Albeit that he does seem to have some sort of superhuman will and determination but he makes it very clear that he's nothing special he's just a guy that wants to test the limits of the human body and i think anyone that's into sort of sports and fitness you do want to push yourself and some people get carried away a little bit and i think he's just that guy like we all know people that want to sort of go through these amazing athletic achievements which is great and those kind of people are so inspiring this book honestly was so inspiring because you do connect to him because he is a real person like I said and I for one like I said I've already bought a wetsuit I'm going to be a sea swimmer now and not that I'm copying him because there's no way I'm going to swim around Great Britain but I'd quite like to do like a quite a long swim because I'm not very good at it and it'll be about the journey of enjoying the process of getting better and just sticking at something that's one of the most rewarding things you can do in life is stick at something even when you shit at it because it's character building and we like a bit of character building if i'm going to recommend this book to you which of course i am all i'm going to say is if you're not really interested in like sports science or like stoic philosophy or like the sort of mental toughness side of things i wouldn't really bother if i was you um because you're not going to enjoy it but if in any 
sense you're interested in anything like that i 100 percent recommend the book i'd love to have a chat with ross one day um about this uh, for the meantime i'm only able to read his book uh, but i've messaged him a couple times and i'll message him a couple more um just to see if i can get him on to have a chat and, and you guys can have a listen to that if you're not going to buy the book but um of course i do suggest that you buy the book especially because he talks about stoic philosophy so book so much so book christ won't even cut that out let you know that i'm just a normal guy and i'm human <laughs> um yeah stoic philosophy makes me stiff it's my favorite thing so him talking about it so much in the book was great um he definitely kept me interested five stars we're about 21 minutes in i've told you a couple stories i've explained it a little bit if that's not enough for you then i don't know what is i'm going to start reading some other sort of random books i've just started a brave new world by um aldous huxley it's like a classic apparently it's like 1984 but better and thank god it's better um because 1984 was uh not the best in my opinion so the Stoic Thought of the Week this week doesn't actually come from the Daily Stoic. It comes from the book, uh, The Art of Resilience. That's the one that I've just been talking about in case you've missed that. He's, it comes from Marcus Aurelius. Um, he was renowned for his writings. Now, at the end of each day when he was reflecting, he would ask himself the following four questions. Now, these are ones that I'm starting to ask myself and I feel like it's been pretty profound, the impact that it's had on my mindset and stuff, especially at times like these where the world's a bit fucked. Uh, so it's it's nice to reflect and be able to write down what you're feeling so you don't bottle things up. But the questions that you'd ask himself um, at the end of each day would be, what bad habit did I curb today? How am I better? Were my actions just? And how can I improve? Now, all of those things, you can meditate on those. Um, you can go back and you can have a look or you can just write it down and get it out of your head and onto the paper and then move on. It is completely up to you. But I think those four questions that Marcus Aurelius used to ask himself are really, really powerful. I think I'm going to ask you at least give it a go, at least for one day, just to ask yourself those four questions, um, see how you get on. It might be something, it might get you into journaling. I think journaling is really powerful. Um, let me know how you get on. You don't have to tell me, the, you don't have to read me your diary. I'm not really bothered about that. I don't necessarily care what you've done with your day, but I think it, it'll be nice to see if that's had a positive impact in your life um, or on your day or on your evening. And if I can have any sort of positive impact or make people pick up a habit that uh, has a positive impact in your life, then job done for me. And finally, of course, a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it is at a need to read. If you can review the podcast, that'll be fantastic. The more reviews, the better. Um, gives other people that don't know me or don't follow on Instagram or don't follow elsewhere um, a bit of an understanding of what it's about. If you write a nice message i'll message you and say thank you uh it's probably not the carrot that you want um dangled in front of you but that's pretty much all i can really do um obviously remember keep fighting the good fight everybody keep doing the protests keep sharing keep donating keep doing your bit it's important that you 
get educated on these topics at the start of the year i read why i'm no longer talking to white people about race i found that book was really powerful for me to gain an understanding my sort of my own privilege and the difficulties that others go through that kind of gets brushed under the carpet and kind of ignored which is not okay so yeah educate yourself i've got some posts on instagram um, about some books that we can have a look into or you can have a look into and that's the important thing is you educate yourselves and maybe uneducate yourself in some certain ways that you've got habits that you're doing or you think a certain way or you make judgments it's time to stop it's time to sort of wake up to this shit this is shit we don't want to live in a world like this. If you do want to live in a world like this, just don't listen to my next episode because I'd rather not be associated with you. Um, if I'm being completely honest, but that's it from me. I don't want to. I don't want to rant too much. Read the books. Educate yourself. Um, read Ross Edgeley's book. On a side note, of course, because that's what this episode has been about. Um, take care of yourselves as well. Make sure you're doing the things that make you happy. Um, social media. Oh, it's infectious at the moment it'll get in your head and sometimes it'll make you sad make sure you are consuming the content to a certain degree but also make sure that you're taking time for yourself to keep yourself happy so look all the, uh yeah thank you everyone for listening take it easy instagram facebook youtube and goodreads it's at a need to read with the number two on goodreads and youtube it's not actually it's a need to read with the word two but yeah take it easy everyone Bye-bye.